Okay, let's grab our Bibles. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. I don't know if you've noticed, but Genesis 49 is a big chapter. So we will not be able to cover everything comprehensively this morning, but we're gonna trust that we get what God has for us in each individual life. And so let's pray. Let's ask him for what only he can do. Father, we, we wanna behold truth. We wanna see it applied to our lives. We wanna get insight. We're gonna look at Jacob's blessing on his sons. And Lord, we need to see where our life uh, reflects what's discussed in this passage. Lord, there are places that, that there, there are parts of our life where, where sin has taken hold, sin has taken root, and, and desperately we need to see it, and we need to repent, and we need to return to you. Uh, there's other areas where we need to be encouraged. Lord, these sons, they're, it's almost like some spiritual gifts are being described, and, and Lord, we need to be encouraged um, just through the blessing that, that Jacob gives those boys. And, and Lord, in, in all of it, uh, God, we, we don't wanna, again, be guilty of just giving mental assent and even agreeing with what we see in your word. Lord, we wanna live in light of it. And so, Lord, we're trusting the work of the Spirit to make application to our individual, to our several lives. And, and then, Lord, that you'd be glorified as a result. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in Genesis 49, verse one, Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. So what's coming now in the blessing of these sons is a prophecy concerning the last days. That phrase, the last days, this is the first mention of this in your Bible. And as you study out the doctrine of the last days, we don't have time to get through all of it this morning, but this is the time leading up to and including the return of Christ to rule and reign on earth. You will see this time described as the last days, the latter days, the day of the Lord. It begins with the apostles, it includes the great tribulation, the regathering uh, and regeneration of the nation of Israel, it includes the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign. It includes the final resurrection to judgment. Uh, this is the envelope of time that, 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 is, that is in view. And so there's gonna be a description of each of these sons, okay? There's gonna be a blessing. There's gonna be reproof, rebuke. Uh, but in all cases, there's... there's what, 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 and I, and I don't know how to make application uh, across the board in terms of these blessings uh, in light of the last days. Uh, this is one of those things that I've, I kind of feel like is gonna be hindsight and, and then 2020, right? It'll be clear, so, like, like we're, we're gonna come back to Genesis 49 during the millennial reign of Christ and we'll be like, oh, yeah, sure enough, look at Gad, <laughs> look at Asher. You know, like, like I think it's, it's gonna become more clear then. But there's, there's a personal devotional application that we need to pay attention to. 
Now notice that Jacob calls himself by both names, right? He uses both names as their father. He's their physical father, Jacob, right? But spiritually, he's the originating point for them as a plural people. He is the start of them being a nation that belongs to God, the nation of Israel. And so he uses both names. And then he gives the prophecy. So we'll look at Reuben in verses three and four. This is the firstborn. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and and excellency of power. Look at how you were made. I mean, there's nobody quite like you, but here's the problem, verse four. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it, he, and then it's, he just says this to the, to the whole family, he went up to my couch. You know, the birthright should have been Reuben's, but it wasn't, right? The, 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 the extra blessing should have gone to him, but it doesn't because of his sin. Israel heard about Reuben defiling his bed with Bila. Bila, we read about that in Genesis 35, 22. And it came to pass when Israel dwelt in the the land that Reuben went and lay with Bila, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. Proverbs 6 says that, that one who commits adultery, whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Ah, but we love each other. No, you don't. If you loved each other, you'd want each other to do what's right. We'd want each other to be in submission and in in obedience to the word of God. For jealousy is the rage of man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Uh, It is a blight upon Reuben. Galatians 6, 7 warns us to not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So here's Reuben. This guy, he's, I mean, he is, in terms of all the boys, he's choice cut, right? USDA grade A, okay? He is a fine specimen. He just, he carries himself well and but, but, but Jacob's assessment of him is you're unstable as water. You know, you can't build on water. You can't build anything of value, anything of surety on water. Even ice cannot last. Nothing for God could be built on this man's failed character. And as you study your Bible, you're gonna find out no one of biblical note, no one of biblical significance ever came from the tribe of Reuben. A lot of believers are like Reuben. You know, you're so gifted. God put you together so well. I mean, you're USDA grade A, okay? You are, you are, you excel, right? You have excellence of dignity, excellence of power. But because of besetting sin, you end up a vessel of dishonor unfit for use. So get this down in your notes. Unrepentant sin, you don't have any record of Reuben in 
in conviction of sin and repentance over sin, humbling himself before his father. Unrepentant sin always brings instability and loss. This was the case in Reuben's life. Joseph received the riches that should have gone to him. We'll see that when we look at the blessing of Joseph later on in the chapter. The birthright goes through Judah. We'll see that in verse 10. Reuben gets nothing by way of blessing. Now notice, Reuben doesn't lose membership in his family. It's a sure, I mean, he has a relationship with Israel as a son, and nothing can change that. But there is no blessing, no Abrahamic blessing, no blessing of the, uh, uh, of the, of the birthright of the firstborn, none of that. Reuben gets nothing. And this is what Reuben ultimately comes to. The tribe of Reuben, in Numbers chapter 32, they separate from the rest of Israel after the conquest of, of, of Canaan. And then what happens is, over time, Reuben drifts into obscurity. You don't have Israelis calling themselves today by the tribe of Reuben. They have drifted into nothing over time. All right, verses five and seven, Simon and Levi. You wanna get this down in your notes. Their cruelty was their undoing. Uh, they're gonna actually receive a curse here. Watch this now, verse five. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. They dwell with cruelty, with instruments of cruelty. We read about this cruelty in Genesis chapter 34. It came to pass on the third day when they were sore that the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, each man took his sword and came boldly upon the city. Uh, this prince raped their, their, their sister, their little sister. And you know he falls in love with her and he wants her to wife and, and so Simeon and Levi, you know, they, they told him, they said, well we can't because you're uncircumcised. Get circumcised and we'll be one people. And so this kid loved this girl and Dad loves his son, and, and so they convince everybody to get circumcised, and on the third day, they're sore. Um, this is why, you know, most circumcision is at infancy, so that you'll forget that horrific event. <laughs> These guys can't move, okay? They're, they're, they're bound up in pain, and so they come boldly upon the city, and slew all the males. And they slew Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the, uh, the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. So this is Jacob's response to this event in this time of final blessing. Look at verse six. O my soul, come, come not thou into their secret. What's their secret, right? Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. That's what's hidden in their life. I'm not part of that. I'm not joining with that. Oh my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be thou not united. I've got no part of you. I've got no part of, of, of who you are in what you're doing. For in their anger they slew a man 
and in their self-will, they dig, they dig down a wall. Dig down a wall means they broke in, right? They, they ruptured someone else's holdings, okay? They attacked on someone else's property, and so they lose their birthright. They lose a portion in the promised land, in the land of Canaan. They end up divided in Israel. And so just get this down. This is the curse of self-seeking loss. Anytime someone is self-seeking to the end that they're gonna take their destiny in their own hands, they're not gonna trust the Lord, they will come to nothing. The tribe of Levi did not inherit like other tribes I'll give you the cross-reference numbers, 1824, you can check that out. The tribe of Simeon inherited land, but it was within the portion of Judah. Okay, they, they end up having to function as part of the tribe of Judah. Joshua 19.1 says, the second lot came forth to Simeon, even for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families, and their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Jacob comes to the real issue now. Uh, look at the response of his heart over their sin. Verse seven, cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. You're not going to function as your own people, your own tribe, in charge of your own destiny. You've tried that, and it, it, it reveals your wickedness, and so you will come to nothing. Now, in Levi, this is a unique case. In Levi, what do we see? The picture there is of the incredible grace of God. You know, only God's grace can take a cruel person like Levi and make him the patriarch of the priestly tribe. Okay, so that's an incredibly beautiful picture. And the same thing's true for you and I. Weren't we in wicked sin before Christ redeemed us back from the curse of sin, the curse of death? We're made priests and kings and God's kingdom. We were just singing about that. I mean, what sinners we are that it required Christ's death in our place and yet that's what he did. First Peter chapter one verse 18 says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, for from your vain conversation, your empty pointless life that you were living, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without, without blemish and without spot, God made us righteous. He, made, he justified us through the sacrifice of Christ. What's the result? We're just like Levi, right? Wicked sinners saved by the grace of God. 1 Peter 2.5 says, now we're, we're, we're also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Um, man, I'm so grateful for the grace of God over Levi. And he, made, and he made of him a priest. He made of him a priest to himself. Judah. Okay, Judah, this is the, the uh, messianic line. Messianic is your next blank. Verse eight says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Okay, so this should have been something said to Reuben. It's not, it's said to Judah instead. And what we get now is this pronouncement of praise, of victory and reverence in verse eight. Judah, 
the name means praise of Jehovah. And, and Judah has that. He has that in the conquest of Canaan. You'll read about that in Judges chapter one. You see it in the days of the kings, particularly in the days of the kings David and Solomon. David says it this way, Psalm 18 verse 40, thou hast also given me the necks of my enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. Right, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemy. That's what Jacob prophesied over Judah. And then you see it also in the day of the Lord. You see that in Revelation chapter 19. What do you have? The lion of the tribe of Judah returns and he rules and reigns. He does that over the necks of his enemies. And here it is, verse nine. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? So, so Judah, verse nine, he's a lion's whelp. Well, Jesus is the tribe. Uh, he's of the tribe of Judah, and the name that's used of him a couple times in Scripture is he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, you'll see that in Micah chapter five. Uh, you see him acting as such when he returns in the second advent, but Revelation 5.5 5 calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Man, talk about a messianic prophecy. Here in verse 10, um, this is a key messianic prophecy. Genesis 3.15 was the first messianic prophecy. This is the second in your Bible. And what we have now is the genealogy of Christ being determined. Right now, so far in our study in Genesis, the line of Christ goes from Adam to Seth, from Seth to, it's a direct line to Noah, from Noah to Abraham, right? And then from Abraham to obviously Isaac and Jacob, now Judah, right? This is the line of Christ. Judah's descendants do end up, once David is king, uh, while there are kings in Jerusalem, it's David's descendants that are sitting on the throne. So this prophecy begins with King David and it ends with Christ. He is, according to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, he is the prince of peace. And so unto him, verse six, is the gathering of his people, the gathering of the people be. And so from the gospel, think about this. Uh, God gathers Israel to himself, but think about the, the proclamation of the gospel during the church age. The nations are being gathered to Christ. He will rule over the nations during the millennial reign. Verse 11, again, more, pro, more, more messianic prophecy. Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Okay, so verse 11 talks about Judah's victory and we find out it's actually in the person of Christ as Messiah. Uh, when he talks about the ass's colt, both advents are in view. You'll see Christ's coming connected to an ass's colt, both in Matthew chapter 21, but also Zechariah 9.9. Again, if we, just, if we just went down all of these rabbit holes, this would be about a six message series. 
and I'm getting a lot of flack about how much time we're spending in Genesis, which I don't understand that. It's the Word of God. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hang out there? Oh yeah, impatient, pertinent people. <laughs> Pray for the other pastors. Anyway, so, <laughs> we, can't, we can't just bird dog everything. So he washed, his, he washed his clothes in the blood of grapes, in verse 11. He washes his clothes in the blood of grapes. Well, here's some homework. Read Isaiah 63.1 and Revelation chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. You know, in Isaiah 63, who's coming from Basra? Who is this guy whose garment has been washed with blood? Who's the guy that tramples his enemies in his wrath? His eyes shall be red with wine, verse 12, and his, milk, and his teeth white with milk. So verse 12 talks about his blessings, and we see that in the person of Messiah. Uh, his kingdom is a kingdom of blessing and increase. Now for you and I, Christ is our Lord and Savior. Christ is our victory. Uh, in Romans 8, in Christ we find out we have capacity to be made joint heirs with him, to rule and reign with him. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, the promise is if we take up our cross and follow Christ, then we will rule with him in his kingdom. If we don't take up our cross and follow after Christ, he denies us not salvation, okay? Once you're saved, you're set. But whether or not you rule and reign with Christ is based on your obedience to follow him in his word. And so, you know, his blessings that, 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 that richness of his kingdom, you and I are invited to fully partake of it. There is nothing that Jesus will have forever that he doesn't want you to be a part of. I don't know about you, I don't wanna miss out on anything. I wanna be in the inner circle in eternity, don't you? Some people will not rule and reign with Christ. I'll be happy if I get to like if I could just like rule over the horses or something, I mean, that would just, that would be something. Uh, I don't know, I don't know anything about horses, so maybe it's gotta be something else, but anyway. Uh, maybe I could be the captain of squirrel hunting, I don't know, but <laughs> something. I, I wanna be a part. Verse 13, Zebulun, a haven. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea and he shall be an haven for ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. A haven means a dwelling, right? It's a, it's a peaceful place to dwell. And that actually is fulfilled in Joshua 19. Their lot is by the sea. And I don't know what else to say about Zebulun, but Zebulun's are always needed. Uh, Zebulun's have a place for, that's a peaceful place for people to dwell. Man, may their, may their tribe increase. Uh, some of you, you're, 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 you, make, you make safe space for God's people. Um, and praise the Lord for you. Issachar, a servant. Issachar is strong. Issachar is a strong ass, couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good, and the land, that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant unto tribute. Okay, some of God's people end up oppressed. I mean, you've got God's promises, and in God's promises, they have strength through Christ, but they stay weak and timid, and they end up helpless before others, and every time they turn around, they're in some other form, I mean, just, they're in bondage again. They put themselves in a bind again. 
I mean, here's a guy who is, he's, he's the, the patriarch of the tribe of Issachar, and somehow he passes on a defeated mentality, a defeated life to his children. And they end up helpless and in bondage. Brothers and sisters, you need to do what God calls you to. Don't let anyone or anything hinder that. In Luke chapter 14, you're called to count the cost of being a disciple of Christ. And he has to be your first relationship, he has to be your first priority, he has to be more important than your own life is to you. That's the only way you're gonna take up your cross and follow after Christ. That's the only way that we can walk in the victory that Christ has purchased us at Calvary. Some, I mean, man, he ends up, I mean, he's, he starts out, he's just, he just wants to serve, he wants to help, but he ends up in bondage. Some of you, you're built to serve, and people know that, they recognize that, so they call on you to serve all the time. And you, because you don't learn how to say no, I need time with Jesus, I need time at Jesus' feet, you end up extending and extending, you end up overdriving, you end up, I mean, you end up over-leveraged, and, and the next thing you know, you're a servant to tribute, you're in bondage. Dan, verses 16 and 17, he's a judge and a snake. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the, horses, that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Man, Dan, I don't know about Dan. Okay, Dan is a bad mammer jammer, okay? Uh, a, don't mess with Dan. But B, okay, just, this is just a couple points of notes. Samson was from the tribe of Dan. You can read about his life starting in Judges chapter 13. And then J- Jacob says that Dan will be a serpent by the way. Let me just give you some homework. Read just how things get satanically twisted with Dan in Judges chapter 18. Dan does get messed up. And, um, and it is to... Uh, it is to their harm. Verse 19, Gad, he's an overcomer. Gad, a troop, shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Okay, in Judges chapter 10, you'll read a record of Gad being overcome, and then you will see them, over, uh, you will see them overcome, right? They, will, they overcame in, in 1 Chronicles 5 and 1 Chronicles 12. Uh, they took a beaten, and then they turned around and gave one, okay? But every believer should recognize that they should be, and they should be overcoming, right? Every, every believer, we can function as an overcoming gad. And we know this because of who we have in the person of Christ. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And every Christian that would be an overcoming Gad must first themselves be overcome at Calvary. 
right? It's those who are overcome by the person of Messiah, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Well, they can overcome now by the blood of the Lamb. You are in that state. You have access to that resource. It's lives that have been conquered by the grace of God that become conquerors through grace, right? They become conquerors through the grace of God. Does that make sense? You can't be what you haven't experienced until the Lord delivers you. You're not gonna walk in deliverance. Asher, verse 20, he's wealthy. Out of Asher, his bread shall be fat and he shall yield royal dainties. Okay, I, I forgot to mention this when we started our list. You want to, a great exercise, and again, we'll end up turning this into a multi-week message series if we do this. Compare Jacob's blessing of his sons with Moses' blessing of the 12 tribes in the book of Deuteronomy. And then when you do the comparisons and the contrasts, there's some, just some neat insight. Uh, you'll see, I mean, even Reuben is blessed in Deuteronomy 33. Uh, But this is what Moses said about Asher. Deuteronomy 33, verse 24. And of Asher he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. And let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Uh, He is wealthy. He's rich in blessing. And we are too. Some people know how to feast on the riches of Christ. Some people know how to just, I mean, get fat on the riches of Christ. They're blessed. Other people, they die starving, right? (laughs) They starve before a buffet. I mean, the the, the riches of Christ are there for them, but they never access. Naphtali, verse 21, is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Um, I don't know, I'll just give you some cross references. You can check this one out for yourself. I think, you know, we'll see in the millennium what this looks like, but uh, Judges chapter four and and five, a hind let loose, see what you think about that. Now, he gives goodly words. You'll actually see him uh, in that role in Judges four and five. There are Christians, joyful Christians, who always delight in who they are and what they have in Christ, how he's made them free, and so they just revel in their first love, right? They're, I mean, Man, what comes out of them is goodly words. Their goodly words, their, their, their love in Christ, it's just, it's attractive to people. A hind let loose, I mean, look at that, look at it run. Some Christians, man, just watch them run, watch them walk with Christ, it's, it's wonderful to behold. All right, now, we get down to it. Joseph, verses 22 through 26. Joseph, uh, he, is fruitful and, and there's an addition for him, watch this. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. So he's a fruitful bough and this is true of Joseph, it's true of each phase of his life. It was true of his sons, it's true of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, so much so that the saying in Israel when you're blessing someone is man, would to God that you'd be like Ephraim and Manasseh. Look at how mightily they were blessed as tribes in Israel. You know, people that are fruitful for God, just like Joseph, right, they'll be hated by the ungodly. 
Here's Joseph. He's just a fruit, every phase of his life, he's fruitful. He's profitable. He's profitable to his father. His brothers hate him over it. He's profitable in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife ends up hating him over it. She can't get him in her bed. He's Potiphar in prison. I mean, he's Potiphar. He's profitable in, in prison. Do you think Potiphar ever did any jail time after, you know, after Joseph is like king of the world? I, I don't know. I don't think he was a vindictive guy. Not if he saw God was in it. But, the, you know, if you're, if you're fruitful for the Lord, the devil's not going to just let that go uncontested. He's not going to just let you get away with that. He's going to make sure that that, that some people will recognize their need to hate on you. <laughs> but at the same time, Joseph's branches run over the wall. Okay, so there's, there's new life further on. And that fruitful life can be a blessing to others. You know, even to people that are outside the wall of salvation or people that are outside the wall of you know, I, I've, I've got new life in Christ. That ought to now shoot tendrils out of my life into the lives of others. But at the same time, let's say I'm walled in by this persecution, right? Jo- I mean, Joseph got sold by his brothers into slavery. Okay, he didn't stick his thumb in his mouth and just quit. He stayed full of faith that God was with him. And so he continues to be fruitful even in the midst of persecution. Watch verse 23, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength. Okay, when did somebody shoot arrows at him? Uh, Man, the words, the intent of his brothers, they were trying to kill him, weren't they? I mean, that's literally his experience. Jacob describes the other brethren, minus Benjamin, he describes them as archers trying to kill Joseph. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So there it is, okay? Even though Joseph is hated and attacked, God made him strong. That's why his story reads the way that it does. I mean, Joseph ends up so strong, he's called a pharaoh. I mean, he's called a father to pharaoh. Like, pharaoh looks up to Joseph, That's how strong God made him. Joseph goes from a slave to the sovereign of the world, right? He's the guy who went from the pit to the palace. Well, this is typical of Christ. His life is a picture of Christ. Jesus was hated, and look how fruitful he is. Believers, we're to be fruitful. Even though we'll be hated by a lost world, God will strengthen us. And so here it is, verse 25, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee and by the almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, blessings of thy father have prevailed upon above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be upon the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren what you get right there in verses uh, 25 through uh, 26, Jacob gives to Joseph the blessing 
that should have been given to Reuben. The, the bounty of God's kingdom is yours, Joseph. Verse 11. So again, Reuben messed up, man. Verse 11, or I'm sorry, point number 11, verse 27. Benjamin is a ravening wolf. He's this dear little brother to Joseph. Uh, he's so dear to Jacob. Jacob's afraid to lose him, right? But he ends up a ravening wolf. Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey and he shall divide the spoil. And you just see that with Benjamites, man. I mean, in Judges 3, you've got Ehud, the fat kingslayer. <laughs> That's a wild story, man. And it took a Benjamin to get it done. J Judges 20, in verses 13 through 16, one tribe, Benjamin, against all the other tribes and they won the first battle. I mean, in the first round, Benjamin kicked everybody else's tail. King Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin, and he was a ravening wolf toward David. Now, you see that clearly in 1 Samuel 20. Saul of the New Testament, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was of the tribe of Benjamin, right? Remember, his, he, he said that in his letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews, but specifically, he's of the tribe of Benjamin. And he was a ravening wolf toward the bride of Christ, wasn't he? He was a ravening wolf toward the church before he received Christ. And you see that in Acts chapter 9. He is threatening, he is slaughtering, he is binding, he is killing. And then he meets Jesus on the way uh, to Damascus. Here it is, in the last few verses, 28 through 33, uh, you get now a summary. He says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is it that their fathers spake unto them. Now remember, Reuben ends up with nothing. Simeon and Levi are cursed. Um, you've got a few negative connotations sprinkled in, right? I mean... Nobody wants to be called a wolf that ravens, but there it is. Watch this. Every one of these sons, including Benjamin, or um, yeah, including Benjamin, including Reuben, including Simeon and Levi, they're all blessed. This is that, this is it that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Which of them? Every one, according to the blessing, he blessed them. So on some level, all are still blessed. All are still part of the family, all are still loved, just some were more blessed than others. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for possession of a burying place where they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, where they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And so what we have now is Jacob dying at 147 years of age. 
147 years old, which would put Joseph at age 56. He would be 56 years old at the age of his father's death. Now, we, we know this timeline because of what we saw in Genesis 45, okay? It said there were five more years of, of famine, and you can go back and listen to that. We did the math, we figured out Joseph's age there. So at that time, Joseph was 39 years old because he was 30 when he began his earthly ministry. So seven years of plenty plus seven years of famine, while only two had taken place by Genesis 45, right? So that makes him 39. Now you add to that the 17 years that Jacob lived in Egypt, you get that date from Genesis 47. Is everybody with me so far? Jacob lives, so if he's 39, when Jacob shows up and he lives 17 years in the land of Egypt, that makes, if my simple addition is right, that makes Joseph 56 years of age. What's interesting is just the parallel. Uh, At 17, he was sold into slavery. So here's a guy, here's a son who has 17 years with his dad at the beginning of his life. Then there are some lost years, and then he ends up having 17 years with his dad at the end of Jacob's life. Um, Interesting parallel. Now, the Bible says that when Jacob died, he was gathered to his people, right? He yields up the ghost, he dies. Well, he continues, he was gathered unto his people. So his body was dead, that was held in Egypt. They needed to take it back uh, to, the, to the ancestral burying place in this cave that was bought from the people of Heth. Um, so that's his body. But Jacob goes to his people, he's gathered to his people. This is a reference to Abraham's bosom and it's described in a lot more detail in Luke chapter 16. Uh, you can also read a perspective from, the, from Abraham's bosom in Psalm 18. It's, uh, psalm 18 is a wild psalm. You've got multiple applications in that psalm, but one of those applications is the perspective of the Old Testament believer in Abraham's bosom. James chapter two, verse 26 says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, Right, so faith without works is dead also. Whenever your spirit leaves your body, your body dies. Ecclesiastes 12 verse seven says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit, right, the spirit of a man, the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Whenever you die, that's not the end of you. Some people pass from this life into everlasting perdition, into everlasting destruction. Others are gathered to their people, right? For the believer in this age, in this dispensation, absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord, right? The moment the believer dies, they are are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're gathered to their people. Man, I'm so glad Jesus is my people, (laughs) right? Do you know that? Do you have Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that when you die, you're gonna be with him face to face. Do you know, like without any doubt, that you're gonna spend eternity with him in his father's house, in your father's house? Because you're, you're gonna be gathered to your people. Nobody has the promise of tomorrow. This guy had a lot of tomorrows, I mean 147 years of them. Jacob lived a long time. 
Uh, but again, notice the, 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 the lifespan, generation by generation, is generally decreasing until the pronouncement in Psalms that it's 70 years, 80, if you do everything right. That's the typical lifespan um, uh, of modern man. You have no promise that you'll have tomorrow. You know, people don't like to think about it. They like to think that things are just gonna continue as they are. Nothing ever stays the same, ever. You see change in your life, well, eventually one of those changes in this world will be the fact that your body is not alive. <laughs> Can I just tell you, you're all gonna die. Such so an end on a depressing note, but there it is. <laughs> you're gonna die. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but if I could just get eyeball to eyeball with each of you, right? You're all going to die. The stats are in, right? 100% of people living die. Okay? It is appointed unto man once to die. And for the believer in Jesus Christ, for me to live is Christ. Christ is my life. My life is not sourced in my flesh. And the, you know, the older I get, the more, you know, I'm, I'm not even saying if it's right, but I'm just telling you what is. The older I get, the more I daydream about crossing over what it'll be like. There's a part of me, everybody's like, I don't wanna die, I'm gonna get raptured. I'm trusting the Lord for the rapture. I think either will be great. I mean, you know, the, the, the last generation that, that never tastes physical death, you know, at the rapture of the church, they're gonna spend all of eternity be like, okay, so what was it like when you died? <laughs> you know? And of course the people that died, like how great was that? That you didn't die, you were just translated. I mean, that, that had to have been amazing. I mean, like, like you're gonna miss out one way or the other. You're gonna miss out on something. Is this making sense? So I'm good either way. I mean, you think about crossing over. I just pray I'm not in a lot of pain and all drugged up. I wanna be awake and alert for it. Like I wanna, I wanna know it. I want to see it when it happens. Uh, to cross over, to, to, I mean, you're not just walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you end up arriving at death, okay? And to be with the Lord. I, I catch myself more and more fantasizing about the new Jerusalem, you know, just thinking about it. Like, what's it going, I can't wait to move there. To be gathered to my people, that's it. Man, to be with Christ forever, that's everything. Actually, it's such a big deal, it kind of motivates me to want to get to work and to take the time that I have on this earth and recognize it is so precious, it is so fleeting. I have so little of it to do what God's called me to do. Lord, God, would you take every moment? And Lord, I know, you know people need rest and you need downtime, but as much as is possible, maximize glory for your name through my life and my service. Because I only have today to count for Christ. I've only got today to serve and obey. I've only got today to matter for the kingdom. So many people live their life to the effect and the outcome that they might as well be dead because nothing's coming out of your life. You're gonna be gathered to your people, rejoicing or ashamed, but you're gonna be, you're gonna be gathered. Man, I wanna, I wanna get to heaven, I don't know about you. If you're thinking about it, I think you're with me. I want to get to heaven and hear well done. 
thou good and faithful servant. I won't hear that over every day of my life. Not every day of my life have I been a good and faithful servant. Uh, But I want there to be a lot of days in my life where I was a good and faithful servant. Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, I'm asking for my brothers and sisters. God, help us to recognize that we have just this moment right now today to make that phone call, uh, to set up coffee so that we can talk to somebody about what you've done in our life. Uh, We've only got today uh, to make the plans or to execute on uh, whether it's edifying brothers and sisters or preaching the gospel to the lost, we've, we've, we've only got now to matter for your kingdom. And so, Lord, impress upon us that our days are short. Help us, t- Lord, teach us to number. Teach us to count our days. Uh, so many of us, you know, as young people, we think we look at the rest of our lives and we act like it's forever. And so many of us in our old age, we don't think about the time that we have left and, and so we end, up, we end up not maximizing it for your glory. Uh, Lord, you give us rest. Um, Lord, even the Lord Jesus would retire to a desert place. We need times of rest and recovery. But we wanna be like a marathoner and we want to just keep showing up. We wanna keep putting in the work. We wanna keep serving at your pleasure. And so I ask for that wisdom for my brothers and sisters. And then Lord, if there's anyone here today that, that if they died today, they would spend eternity separate from you in a lake of fire. God, help them to see that you love them, that you want them, that you want them to be part of your people and that you wanna gather them into the fold, and so Lord, if there are any here that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, God, I'm asking that today would be the day of salvation, and I ask, I ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.